Welcome, everybody. This is episode 57 of Streets and Eats. And today on the podcast, we are taking you to the city of Dalat, Vietnam, the city of love, the eternal city, the city of romance, the yeah, the city of love, the city of flowers. Let's get into it. Welcome to Streets and Eats, the travel and food podcast dedicated to taking our listeners to the sights, sounds and flavors of fascinating places near and far, both on and off the beaten path. We're Jim and Corinne Vale, and we've been traveling internationally and domestically together for decades, visiting more than 90 countries in all 50 states in the USA. We'll share all of the local knowledge and food expertise we've gathered through years of living as expats in Asia and Europe, as well as traveling with families spanning multiple generations around the world. Join us each week for a new adventure. Well, we have been in Vietnam now for three months. Yeah, we're going on three months, and the first couple of months we spent. Well, not even the whole time in Vietnam because we spent a couple of weeks outside in Japan, as we've been talking about on the podcast. Also Thailand before that. And Thailand before that. So we've been out of the country twice in those three months. We're on our third visa. We're on our third visa. This one is for three months. And as we've said before, it should turn into a six month visa. So our visa woes hopefully are behind us. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, But anyway, the... On top of that, on top of going to a couple of different countries, we haven't really done a whole lot in Vietnam visiting around because we just haven't had time. We've got yeah. an apartment. We've been taking care of a baby, you know, the grandson every once in a while. Moving in. But we did do a Mekong Delta tour. Mm-hmm. And we haven't talked about that yet because I'm going to do, I've got some more Mekong Delta things lined up. And so I kind of want to all put it all lump together. that together. But we can talk about our latest trip, and that was a four-day trip to Dalat. Dalat. The city of love. So why do people go to Dalat? Because they're think? in love. Because there we, were a lot of couples there, <laughs> there for were, sure. And we ran into one guy who said he's been to Dalat over 10 times, and we're pretty sure it's every time he brings his new boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because he was sweet as can be, invited us to his house. I mean, what a nice guy. It's a very popular destination among the Vietnamese and, of course, foreigners as well. Not, not as much with Americans. No, we saw a or lot of Brits. The only people we saw that were foreigners. See, I disagree with that statement wholeheartedly. The only foreigners we saw were really French, and I think they were on an overall tour. That could be. And I did not see hardly any other foreigners. Now, we were there during the very beginning. Pre-Tet. Of pre-Tet, yeah. But I don't think that makes... Oh, we saw some Dutch. Mm-hmm. There's Dutch everywhere. Yeah, there were some. But but really not many. I don't think it's a place that foreigners really have on their radar. I no. think it's underappreciated. But that does not mean it's not a tourist destination because there were a lot of... Like we said, Vietnamese there. We're going to change that. Yeah. Because it should be a place everybody goes. It's an amazing place and it should be a place everyone goes for sure. We loved it. We loved it. City of love. We're in love, right? (laughs) That's right. We're in love and have been for the last 38 years. So we could go and we enjoyed it. Uh, So, but other than that, why do you go there? Uh, It's in the highlands. So the weather is so much better. Very cool when it's hot down here in Ho Chi Minh City. The temperatures there while we were there were pretty good. It was down, the lows were like in the 50s and the highs were in the 70s. So super comfortable. Really comfortable. In fact, they say, and of course they said this in centigrade, that it's always between all year long, 18 to 25. And we did hit, like Jim said, a couple of warm temps, but for the most part, it was so comfortable, especially coming from Ho Chi Minh, which is hot, hot, hot. And humid. hot. Um, but we really didn't. And I, we took our jackets. We did. We, and we used our jackets. We used them at night a couple we, of times. We probably could have done with a little bit not so wintry kind of jacket. Yeah. These are but, like a light down jacket. Yeah. Not a, not a super cold weather, but a little bit much for just a, like a cool, cool evening, but they worked. And when we didn't use them, it was chilly. So... You definitely need to dress in layers to go there, which was so nice. It was fresh air. We left our hotel room window open the entire time. Yeah. Fresh, clean air. I guess that's another good reason to go to get out of the pollution. Really nice weather and just beautiful air. Um, other, other reasons to go there is like the big farming area. So farms in the area, flower gardens everywhere. Uh, just a beautiful location. So 
farming is such an important industry there that everyone talks about it. Yes, of course, the guides talked about it. But I mean, we met people in cafes that talked about it. Farming is just huge. And what we found out was a a lot more information than we ever thought we would (laughs) about Chinese potatoes versus Dilop potatoes. Dilop potatoes, of course, hands down are going to taste better, but Chinese potatoes are cheaper. Anyway, so they have this big Chinese potato issue going on. Well, because it's so expensive to get things transported from the lot to the big cities that the Chinese potatoes are just cheaper. They're cheaper to begin with, but then it also is cheaper to go from China to Ho Chi Minh City than it is from the lot to Ho Chi Minh City. So what they end up doing, the big scam with the potatoes was they'll take the potatoes from China to Dalat and then sell them in Ho Chi Minh City as Dalat potatoes at a premium. Yeah. So anyway, you got to watch out when you're buying potatoes. Well, you'd like you would know anyway. Who's going <laughs> to know? If you don't speak Vietnamese, you're not even going to get where they're from, let alone. Let alone what kind of real potato it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so we, like I said, we found out more than we needed. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is even though they have tons of produce, they have avocados and they have squash and they have lots of strawberries. Strawberries were in season and they looked amazing. And we taste, we had some and they were amazing. And um, all kinds of produce, fruit. Mekongs, just all kinds of fruit. But on top of that, they also do flowers. And the flowers make them more money than the fruit does, which I found, I I just didn't expect that to be the case. Right. Well, the thing was with the flowers was the price of flowers on the market doesn't, it's not as variable as the prices of vegetables and other produce. So where you might have a really low price a year on your potatoes, for instance, flowers are always very constant and kind of elevated. So they always bring in a steady amount of income. Of course, for the normal tourists, these things aren't really on your radar and they weren't necessarily on our radar either. But talking to locals in the area, it is on theirs and they wanted to talk about it and we're willing to talk to locals. So that's what we did. And, and I guess that's probably one of the, the two main reasons I think that people should go to Delada is A, the temperature, because it's so nice to be up in the mountains and not sweat. And number two, the friendliness of yes. the people. I mean, people are friendly in Ho Chi Minh. Very friendly, very helpful. Right. Very friendly. But it's still a big city. But it's a big city. It's everybody right. has a big city rush going on. So going to a smaller city, still a city, and still a pretty sprawling city, um, it was just really nice to have, I don't know, it's just a different feel, I guess, is the way to put it's it. It's like you're out in the country, even though, like you said, Dalat is a pretty good sized city. Yeah. We really enjoyed the temperature. Do we say that? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that's one of the things that you want to go for. You want to go for the fresh food. You want to go for the fresh flowers. And it's a flower city. So they have a flower festival every couple of years, as well as there's just flowers everywhere in the town and outside the town. And you can visit some of the the gardens and things like that. And the food is amazing. Mm. And the temperature is nice. good everywhere in Vietnam that I've found. But because you're so close to where the produce is being produced, everything's just that much fresher and and really delicious. So if I were on an itinerary um, doing all of Vietnam, I would probably plan to spend at least two days there because there's plenty of temples that we'll tell you about and plenty of things that you can do that are a lot of fun. Um, But it also would be a great place just to sort of relax, Relax. which I think is one reason why it's so popular with um, Vietnamese tourists. That's true. It's it's just a a beautiful place to go and relax and still get good food and good coffees and that kind of thing. And there were also a couple of different cafes and and other establishments that were, that were set up and being and owned by expats. There were surprisingly. So I think it, like if you're that kind of person who really likes being away from everything and, and the quiet of being out in the country and the fresh air and the weather, you might really enjoy that too. So that seems like one of the reasons some people were there, but that's more of a long-term life decision, I guess. But as a visitor, two days was really good. We had four days. It was, we, we kept it filled. And we didn't actually exhaust our list. Yeah, we didn't. So do we could have we done could've a few done. more things. Um, we could have had another day. Our plan is to go back and we'll tell you about that in, in just a bit. Um, how do you get there? Well, there's two main re- ways to get there. Um, you could, of course, hire a car from Ho Chi Minh or from Hoi An or from Da Nang or wherever you happen to be and then have someone drive you. 
And that would be expensive, but you could do it. It can be done. Um, but I think the two main ways to get there is to fly and to take the, take overnight, the bus. overnight luxury night bus. The sleeper bus. The sleeper bus. We flew this time. Uh, we didn't take the bus. It was kind of short. It was short notice. Short notice for us. I think we booked like three days before we left. And I did find a couple of buses that we could have gone on. Um, but at the same time, the flights weren't that expensive. And it just ended up winning out in the end. Well, mainly for time. It really depends on the type of person you are. If you're out for adventure and you want something different, you need to take the luxury sleep bus because it's different. It's an adventure. We've seen pictures. We've heard accounts of it. We have not done it yet. We will. Though. I think we will have to do it at least once. But when we get to the other side, we plan on sleeping because I don't, even though it is a sleeper bus, you might get some sleep, but it's going to be interrupted. There's lights flashing. Um, I don't know what else. I And I don't know that I would take the luxury bus to Delat simply because it is up in the mountains on curvy roads. Yeah. And that seems like it would be curvy and you'd be sort of challenging to sleep in. And it is an overnight bus. So the buses I was looking at would leave at midnight and get in around 7 a.m. Yeah, that would be hard to sleep through some of those roads that we were on. Exactly. So I don't know that that would be my choice, but it's significantly cheaper, obviously, than taking the plane. And the plane was easy. It was from Ho Chi Minh. It was only an hour flight. It's less than an hour. So it's an easy, easy time through the airport. It was crowded, but. Well, that's because it's always crowded, I think probably. And and it was close to Tet. So that made a big difference too. Um, But it wasn't, it's not international. So you didn't have to go through immigration and customs and all that stuff. No, but surprisingly, and I don't know that I've ever done this anywhere else in the world we did have to go through someone checking our papers we had to show our passport before we went through the luggage security and they you don't remember doing this you're looking like a blank i kind of do and i thought well this is it's it almost felt like you were going through custom you know immigration but you weren't i don't know why they check it i don't know what they're looking for all they did was glance at our stuff and hand it right back to us. There was no line. It was easy. I just thought it was very interesting. But we had to have it ready. But we but we were there and it was and we had to do that. And I've just never done that before. The thing that struck me was they were very tight on the baggage oh, requirements. Yeah. We so flew you're via authorized, jet. Yeah, via jet authorized us for the tickets we bought. Seven kilogram carry on each. So a total of 14 and they were pretty good about it. If, if our baggage had totaled 14, they didn't care how heavy one was versus the other. It was the total for two people. They were going to let us go through, but one of, but our combined total was more than 14. So we had to check a bag and I thought that's no problem. I can check a bag. It's not expensive, but in order to check the bag, I had to get a receipt from the woman who is at the check-in counter, take that to the ticketing counter, pay for the new bag, get a receipt, and then come back and present that to her. And then she, she would give, give us, us our tickets. passports and, and boarding passes until she received that receipt. So an extra step. And if you're in a hurry, that could cause problems. Uh, but with Via Jet Air, it's just super easy to buy a baggage ahead of time. It's cheap. And uh, worth it. If I had bought it ahead of time, it would have been about $15 as opposed to the $20 that we had to pay at the airport. Um, and we did find out using ViaJet, we've used ViaJet now three times, times. anyway, mm-hmm. a few times. And we did find out that for domestic flights, you can check in online only for two places. If you're checking into Ho Chi Minh or if you're checking into Hanoi, other than that, you have to stand in the line with everybody else. There's no online check-in, which I also thought was pretty weird, but you know, whatever. And even then there's a timing involved. Like when I tried to check in online after we saw the lines at the airport, it told me there were no more check-ins available for this, for the timing because I waited too long. Yeah. It's too too close close to to the the flying time. Yeah. Anyway, so we took the airplane. It was like we said, piece of cake, little, I mean, very culturally different than what we're used to in some ways, but easy and quick in others. Well, the thing to know about flying into Dalat is that the airport for Dalat is pretty far from the city. Like 20 kilometers or so. Yeah, it was a good 45 minute 
drive, I think. It's not heavy traffic and you're driving through some really beautiful countryside up into the mountains. Uh, it's not a bad ride. We took the grab. We took a grab from there. Uh, and I th- want to say it was 200000 250,000 dong, which is about $10, $12, about what we pay here to go to the airport. So not bad. Uh, there's also a bus that shuttles between supposedly, supposedly between Dalat and the airport, and you can go both ways. Uh, the bus was sitting out there when we flew, when we were flying home, the bus was sitting out there. So I went out and talked to them and they said, yeah, the, the shuttle bus does go into Dalat. You can pick it up at this location and we'll put that in the show notes. It seems like it would be a challenge to get the bus to the airport, but if you've got the time, you leave early, uh, you could probably wait for it and, and get the bus. And it was a lot cheaper. It was going to be 50,000 per person, which is a pittance, which is half of what uh, at least half of what the taxi or the grab would be. Uh, and then going into Dalat, like I said, the bus was sitting there. So people who are flying at that point could just walk right out and get on the bus. Uh, the sign said that it goes two hours before every flight. So I don't really know what that equates to throughout the day. And how that works when you're arriving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. He did see the bus. He did talk to it, but, it but I never saw the bus. It is, a, it is an option. Like I said, if you have time. If you have time and patience. <laughs> I had time, but no patience. Could save you a little money. Yeah. Then again, if you're really looking at saving money, you'd probably want to take the night bus because exactly. that's the cheapest it's way. cheapest way to go. And it takes you right into Dalat. Well, it takes you on the outskirts of the city into the bus station. Bit, yeah, but not and, like the airport. Yeah, but nothing 20 kilometers out or anything. You still would have to take a grab probably to your hotel. Um, which grab was easy to take everywhere we went. Um, yeah, I never had an issue with it. Not an issue at all. Okay, so that's how you get there. Getting around, we took grabs everywhere. They have the motorcycle grabs and they have the car grabs just like they do here. They're not as frequent. They also had a lot. They seem like they had more taxis. I don't know if that's just because of the hotels people, the taxis wait out there or what, but we always saw taxis. The taxi union might be that much stronger there. Yeah. Uh, even the grab that we took from the airport was a grab taxi as opposed to just a grab car. So it was a taxi company owned and operated by grab. I would say that is something that I was also a little surprised about. A lot of times when you go to a city, the attractions are relatively close together. They're not uh, here. Delat, it seemed like you're going to go way the heck out here on this Mm -hmm. side. And then you're going to go to the city and then you're going to go out. It's kind of like a star where, you know, we're going to go five kilometers this way, five kilometers, come back and go five kilometers the other way. It, It just seemed like everything was really spread out, even though there definitely is a city center where there's, some things, obviously. So that could be a real challenge for tourists in the city um, for getting around what a lot of, especially the younger people do, the younger people, us oldsters, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> uh, rent a scooter for the day. If you are, if you have a motorcycle license or you feel comfortable confident. on a scooter, you've like, say you've been traveling around Vietnam for a while or living in Asia and you ride a motor scooter. That's a great way to do it. Uh, and they're cheap. I was looking at getting a scooter for a day. They're like 70,000 to a hundred thousand a day, which is less than $10. And I think we definitely probably spent a hundred thousand dong each day each on day, grabs at least. Yeah. So with the flexibility, if if you feel confident and with the flexibility I definitely think that's a good it's idea. A good and maybe next time we go, we'll, we'll feel more confident. We haven't really been here long enough to, to quite get there yet. Yeah. We're and, not quite there yet. I, I feel pretty comfortable on the backs of the motorbikes and I've ridden Erica and Michael's motorbikes a little bit in, in Ho Chi Minh city. Um, a little, a little bit, but I, I, wasn't really thinking I could handle like the two of us in a place we didn't know exactly where we were going places that we didn't know how to get to without looking at a map. And it's hilly and curvy. Yeah. Did we say that? Yeah. Hilly and curvy. So for us, the grab made the most sense and we could just call a grab and it, and it would take us to these places. And as if you're close to the lot or doing the things in the lot, it's really not a problem to 
call a grab, have it drop you off where you're going, do what you're doing, call another grab to take you to the next place. As long as you're like really close to the city, that's not a problem. But for some of the further things out, what well, we, we don't up, know. We might have been able to call it another grab, but we, we were worried about that. So we didn't. Yeah. And what worked really good for us in that case, and I would recommend to others, is we hired a grab to the first destination, which was a good 10 kilometers out of the city. Oh, I, even more. At least. And uh, as we were driving out there, we asked the driver if he could wait for us and then take us to our next destination. And really we had him for as long as a we couple of him. good hours while we went to a few different places. And then with the first one we did through the grab app. So we paid him through the grab app. But then after that, we would just look up on grab together what it would cost to go to the next destination. Uh, and then we paid that price and he took us to that destination and waited for us everywhere. Yeah. That so that was convenient. quite good. I, I mean, you could probably run a grab for the whole day if you did, if you organized it the day before too, and have one take you maybe just yeah. wherever and maybe do it at a set price. The reason we did it kind of piecemeal is because we hired him without any prior knowledge. Um, I think you probably could have gotten a better price if yeah, you maybe. organized it the day before. But I don't know because we didn't do that and, well, and we I, just don't really have any idea how it works. I did look at rental cars, which you could get with a driver, and they were all like 750000 to over a million for a day. Uh, and we definitely didn't even come close to that on the grabs on any day. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest doing that. Not unless you're going really, really, really far out. But we went out, I'm going to say we probably went as far as about 28 kilometers or so outside of Dalat. So anything further than that, maybe you might want to, but even then, I don't know. I think you just kind of talk to the people that, you know, that you have when you arrive and they, if they don't want to do it, which they probably do, cause they're going to make more money either way um, for whatever price you're willing to pay. They probably know somebody who will. So it's worth asking the question. And Oh, by the way, the driver that we had on that day didn't speak one word of English. Not one word. And of course, our Vietnamese is basically, thank you. Yeah. Um, so we, we could communicate if it didn't, hadn't been for Google Translate. So, and we did type it in. He read it. He typed it back. It was a piece of cake. And I mean, it's, it's a normal transaction too. So it's, it wasn't a big deal. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's really important. The other thing we did... And I, I think if I had been, if I'd gone to Dilat too much earlier, I don't know if I'd been brave enough to do this, but motorbikes are a huge thing and motorbike tours in Vietnam are a huge thing. And you hear about them all the time. And I think if you're brave, they're a great way to go. And like I said, I wasn't at first, but I think I'd been to Vietnam long enough. We took a motorbike countryside tour, which started in the city and had a few sites kind of within the city limits. Um, but they took us out to the farms and the coffee plantations and the silk factory and a couple of um, really cool temples. And it'll be all on the website, but it was a great thing. And we had a blast. Um, the people were safe. They worried about our safety. Um, if Jim and I split up, the, the, the guides we had were the perfect amount of guiding. I am not someone who wants to listen to nonstop chatter from a guide. I want to hear the basics. Maybe a good story. Some personal stories, if possible, whatever. I mean, I want to talk to them and I want them to talk to me, but I don't want, we've had, we've had some guys that we've actually had to tell them that that's just too, too much. much information. We're not going to retain <laughs> it. We're not interested in it. Um, but they had a great combination of letting us be, and wander and then telling us about it and letting us be and wander and telling us about it, which I personally really appreciate. And especially as a photographer, I want to be able to, my priority is taking photos and getting good footage. So it's not really listening because you can get a lot of that information online anyway, especially nowadays. Um, so that was good. And the places that we went were pretty cool too. And I don't know if you went on your own. We saw plenty of people out there on their own. I don't know if you'd gone completely on your own, if you could go and do all the same stuff or not. Probably you could. 
Um, but it was nice to have yeah. the, yeah, it would take quite a bit of research and planning to know where to go or, or you just follow another tour, I guess. But Well, for instance, um, we went to the silk factory, which I, I honestly was a little not sure about at first. Yeah. And I thought, do I really want to go to this? Well, factory? and here's why for me. I was like, oh boy, we're going to a silk factory. Because in the past, when we've gone on these package tours like this, they almost always take you to a factory where you're- The cloisonne factory. Where you're supposedly going to see how things are made. But what it ends up being is a just a big pitch. shopping opportunity where the guide is getting a kickback and you're expected to buy something and you don't really get to see any industry going on. But that was not the case with, with, with the whole tour factory. with anything on the tour. That's but right. At the silk factory, we ran into a couple who did not speak English very well. I mean, they did speak English, but not very well. And they didn't have a guide with them. They had driven up on a motorbike that they had rented for the day. And they saw that the entrance price to the silk factory was 10,000 dong per person. And they wanted to see it, but they, expected with their 10,000 dong, although if they realize how much 10,000 dong is, they shouldn't have expected it. <laughs> right. Um, cause it's only about, uh, gosh, 50 cents, 50 cents. Yeah, not even, um, that they would have someone telling them the process. Well, that's not what the 10,000 dong was for. The 10,000 dong was merely an entrance fee and it did not include any guided tour. Um, so they promptly left. They didn't want to go if they weren't going to get a guy. There were tour. stations that you could read about the process. But they didn't know that. My, my point is if you didn't come with someone who was a guide, you, you either had to know that you weren't going to be guided. Right. Or. Well, and if you're not an English speaker or an English reader, then those signs wouldn't do you any good. Yeah. Cause they were in English, English and Vietnamese, I think. Yeah. Or just English. Maybe, maybe just English. Um, anyway. And they were, they were, very few and far between. And they, I mean, there were a couple of main points, but that was about it, but you don't need much. I mean, you can walk around and see what the process right. is. It's pretty self-explanatory, even though he, our guy did anyway. So just keep that in mind. If you want to move, that scooter. was a very cool tour, just going through the silk factory. I've never really experienced anything like that. And this was a major production going on here. Major production. And they were, I mean, they were doing every step of it and not, just for tourists to see. In fact, when we were there, we were the only tourists in there other than that. Like you said, that couple that had come up and gone and then left again, uh, it wasn't like a bus load unload type thing. None of the places we went to. Well, that, we that doesn't at. mean they don't go there. Just, they weren't there when we were there. Right. And then really just were small, small tours. The biggest group that I saw going to someplace like that, uh, were in vans. So maybe eight to 10 people. Well, when we went to, okay, so one of the stops was the coffee plantation. It was the Mingli, I think, um, coffee plantation. And when we first arrived, we didn't stop. We just went driving by this parking lot, but there must have been 20 tourist buses in this oh, parking yeah. lot. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is something I do not want to do. When we drove by, I was quite happy. But So we drove by that one. And I'm like, I know. I just know that we're going here. I just know that we are. I just know that we are. And lo and behold, there's another little parking lot. In a small building. At the end of, at the other end of it. And that is indeed where we stopped and parked our motorbike and got off and got our little tour about the different kinds of coffee beans and the weasels. You've heard of weasel poop coffee. Well, that's where we were. And we saw the weasels and we saw the cages they kept them in and we saw the poop and we heard all about the process. And we even tried, of course, weasel coffee, which I, I, I personally think is a once in a lifetime experience. We did it. Yeah. Check. I don't need to do it again. No, was the coffee good? The coffee was good. It wasn't. Was it? significantly better right so much better that you need to put an animal through this process of force feeding coffee beans down them we every think day. no we think no yeah and and they don't have a great life the weasels yeah we, we they weren't live in small cages not, it wasn't really our cup of tea yeah, or a cup of coffee <laughs> or a cup of coffee so to speak but it wasn't bad and we did try it and like i said it's a once in a lifetime experience and yeah i mean if you go you don't have to try the coffee 
And you don't have to have the weasel poop coffee. You can have just regular coffee. Or you can coffee. just have Arabica coffee. That's right. Yeah. Which, I mean, it was beautiful sitting out on the porch. and Looking out over the coffee plantation. There was a plantation and a lake. And it was, like we said, the weather's so nice. And it was beautiful. That part was really beautiful. And it was really kind of nice, I thought, that, like you had said, we had passed in the same coffee plantation. They had an area up on top, about, about a kilometer up the road. Not even that much, half a kilometer. Where the buses were pulling in and there was just crowds and crowds and crowds. But where we pulled in was just a tiny little parking lot, basically for motorbikes, very small groups and a small little veranda area where we had the coffee looking out over the plantation. So even though it was a large plantation and it had the bus tours, we weren't really- They didn't impact us. Yeah, they didn't impact us. We weren't exposed to that part. So, so we, cool. we really enjoyed our motorbike tour. And I think that we would do that again in other cities now that I've done the first one and I kind of know what to expect. And I know it's safer than I was imagining. I, I think I would do it again. Yeah. I've done a lot of riding around on grab motorbikes on the back of a grab motorbikes in Ho Chi Minh city, like around the city. So I was pretty comfortable. I wasn't too worried about it, but even still, even the lots, not anything like the traffic in Ho Chi Minh city, but and driving, it's hilly and curvy. Did I driving, mention that? Yeah, driving in and out of the city. There are a few times where it's like, Ooh, we're a little close to that guy, but the drivers were really good. And like you said, they were, were really concerned about us being comfortable and they just did a really good job taking care of us. And I, we'll link really to, we'll link to that tour on our website because I, I would recommend it. I to highly people. recommend it. Um, Okay, so that brings us where to stay. Well, Dalat is a tourist city, but it's not, a like I said, a Western tourist city. It's a tourist city for locals. So there are, I'm not going to say thousands, but there are Hundreds. a lot of hotels and a lot of homestays um, in the area. And we did tour one homestay. We didn't stay there. We just toured it because it was supposed to be the Harry Potter Cafe, which who can pass that up? So we went out <laughs> looking for this Harry Potter Cafe and it had over the door, it had a witch on a broom. And that was about as Harry Potter as it got. Yeah. They had um, redesigned the concept. They had redesigned. The, what we found out, well, what we discovered in the lot, it's a very much, because it's a local Vietnamese thing, the proprietors of cafes, especially cafes, are looking for unique yeah. themes. So... There's the, I don't know, there's just all different kinds of themes that they use. And we'll talk about a few of them. Our favorite one was called the On Cafe. And it was just basically, it is sort of a green theme, I guess. They had plants everywhere. It's like a cafe inside of a greenhouse. A greenhouse, except not a greenhouse. Yeah, it was very comfortable, actually. And we had a great breakfast there and we went for coffee twice because it's the only place I saw where not only do they have the coffee, the egg coffee, but they had an egg ca- cacao, hot chocolate. And I had it both days. It was, it was delicious. Really delicious. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the egg coffee, but I really did like, I, I've had it other places, not there. Um, I've had it other places. I've never, uh, I like my coffee with just some hot milk in it. Um, but the egg hot chocolate, that was really it was really and good. rich and just delicious. I like egg coffee. Yeah. Okay. So where to stay? We stayed in a hotel not too far from the night market uh, on another on a street that, like you said, was just lined with like mid-sized hotels all up and down the street. It was a good place to stay. It wasn't hard to get grab pickup or a taxi pickup from there and, and drop there off. There are places to eat around There's there. There's a few restaurants around there. Uh, we walked to the night market with no problems. Uh, my issue with that, if you're in an area where there are several hotels, was the buses because the buses would come in and drop off and pick up tour groups like early morning and late night. Late night wasn't an issue, but early morning when the buses were picking up to leave, like six o'clock in the morning, we had a couple of horn blasts that kind of shock you out of your seat. I don't know if that would bother most people. We had our windows open. Yeah, I was going to say, we had our windows open because we love having our windows open at night. So maybe uh, people who don't keep their windows open would never even have noticed it. Yeah. 
I don't know. It was nice being I, in the I thought it was a nice place to stay. You had plenty of choice of hotels. Um, I think if we were going to go again, and we do plan on going again, uh, we'll stay a little bit closer to the, a little bit lower down. Because like we said, everything's on hills. Although our favorite breakfast restaurant was right around the corner, basically. Yeah, so right in the main square. That's hard to, it's hard to give up. We'll talk about that. That was pretty good. Well, other things, other places people stay could be a really good option too, is in the homestays outside of the city. Some are like up on hills perched out where they have beautiful views of the valleys. Others are on farms or in the farm areas. So if you're looking at like a quiet place to go and stay for a couple couple of of days. days, the issue with those for us is it's difficult to get out and see the, the sights when you're already far out of the city, unless you've got your own transportation, like a rental motorbike or something like that. That would be a, a must, I think, if you're staying further out. They are pretty. They're and well they're done. expensive and they, they, yeah, that could be a really good option. I also think it'd be hard to find food, but if you're you got your own motorbike, I guess you could go later. I don't know. Pros and cons. There are plenty of restaurants. So... In Ho Chi Minh, we are spoiled for Vietnamese food, street food, and international food. any international food that you could possibly want. I can't think of anything that I've looked for that is not available somewhere. Yeah, it's available. It's all here. It's all here. Delat, of course, is not quite that international, but it did have plenty of Italian Yeah, Italian was food. very popular there, maybe because of all the fresh produce and... Uh, there's also a lot of dairy farms in that area. So maybe the dairy. Well, and I think people think of Italian food as romantic. And oh, like yeah. I said, they, a lot of, the lot revolves around this being the city of love. Yes. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's why there was French options. There was one kebab place. Um, there was hamburgers and there was a beef, uh, steak house. So there was plenty of options. choices if that's what you were looking for. Um, we, except for one night, we, we, ate, we ate local food the ate whole time, Vietnamese except food the we whole time we were there. One Italian meal. And they had, oh my gosh, such good, good food. Everything was delicious. Everything. I think my favorite was for breakfast, uh, the Bami Shumai meatballs and where we had it at the one at our favorite place where we had it. We actually ate breakfast at this restaurant twice because <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. The first time we went, we were like, we got to go back. And so a banh shumai is a small meatball. At this restaurant, you've got two in the bowl with a really rich, delicious broth and a big French roll. And you just chop up the meatball, eat it with the bread, soak the bread in the broth. Uh, it was very delicious. And by the way, it cost 20,000, I think. 20,000. Yes. 20,000 for a so bowl. Less than of a dollar for amazing. A, now it's not a, one of those big bowls of noodles that a lot of people will get for breakfast. It's a smaller bowl, but uh, still 20,000. Only a couple of meatballs, but actually it was a very good size breakfast. Um, and then when we went the second day, the first day we were There was only one other family in there and they had finished eating. So I didn't see what they ate. But the second time we went, we knew where we were going. We were heading right there and we must have hit it at a different time of day because I would say it was at least two thirds full and every single table had this dish on it that had been completely demolished meaning they i mean it just looked delicious from the aftermath and so i asked him from an empty bowl what is this dish that everybody had and he didn't speak any english either and this is basically me just pointing going what and so he told me what it was and i didn't really understand him but i said okay i'll take one anyway i figure if everybody in the cafe is having it it's got to be good. So when the dish came to us, it's called bonnet, by the way. And when it, and basically what it was is it looked like almost like a shakshuka, which is a, a sort of a tomato-based Tomato, peppers, with a little bit of meat. With a, This had beef in it. It didn't have sausage. It had beef in it. It had an egg. It had a couple of peppers. And it wasn't too spicy, but it was also not bland at all. It had Very a lot flavorful. of good flavor. And it was also served with a full yeah, piece of French baguette, roll. little baguette that they serve uh, yeah, so in it's Vietnam. All one metal pan and it's all cooked right in the pan. The egg is dropped in last minute, just 
cooked just barely. So it's completely cooked, but still a little bit runny. Runny egg. Yeah. And you just break it all up together and suck. Soak up the bread. Soak up the sauce with the bread, sop it through. And that's why all the, all the dishes were completely cleaned because once you've eaten everything out of it, you use the rest of your bread to completely wipe the pan. Oh my gosh. These two dishes were probably my favorite dishes the entire time that we were gone. Mm, Super good. They were, they were just delicious. And I mean, I'm looking forward to going back there and eating it again. In fact, we haven't had either of those dishes in a Ho Chi Minh. I don't know why. I don't know if they don't exist here or if we just didn't know about them. Who knows? But that's my mission is to find them and see if I can find a good one because they were so good. And we'll write a little bit more about those on the blog, of course. That was our favorite restaurant. It was called Seoul, like Seoul, Korea, Seoul. And it was right downtown in the main Yeah, I want to say it's the main square, but it's not really the main square. The main square is down kind of by the lake. Uh, But this is the main square up at the top of (laughs) the night market. It's one of the main squares. Yeah. And it's like if you're staying in that part of the city, that's where the banks are. That's where the restaurants are. Like I said, there's stairs down into the night market. Uh, It's just a good location. There's no way I think you could go to Jalot and not go to that area. Yeah. So that would be You're good. You're going to drive around the one central building, if nothing else, on your way somewhere. Okay. So other food we had, uh, we went to this one restaurant for the wet cake with chicken and it was up by the, up by one of the temples that we wanted to go to. And it was really funny because we, it was a grab. We called a grab for it. Yeah, the that's good thing a, about a grab is you put in a destination so you know exactly where you're going and the driver should take you right to where you're going. So we got to the area and the driver says, okay, we're here, but there we was nothing there. there. And so we're looking at the map and then we're looking around like, oh no, no, it's back. It's about a half a block that way. So he took us there, but it was a little bit of communication. He, he was probably there. the shadiest. He was ready grab. to drop us and, and leave. Yeah. I, I wasn't impressed with this guy, but, but he was wet, the only one that was like that. And then we get to the wet cake, uh, which is, uh, they call it wet cake, but it's really like a huge. Basically it was noodle a type pan-sized thing. noodle that they tear the, apart. Yeah. A pan-sized noodle. It was huge. It was flat and it was served in a pan. And then the ladies tore it apart and put it at the bottom of the bowl. And then they put, of course, the broth in and the chicken, which was chicken. all delicious. And it was served cold. Yes. And that was, dish. that was what I was kind of surprised about. But it was good. It was delicious. It was good. I could never eat that much noodle of any type, um, but it was pretty darn good. And an interesting experience eating these huge pieces of flat noodle with chopsticks that are like very hard. Not the chopsticks aren't hard to imagine. I'm pretty good at chopsticks, but managing these big noodles that are just odd shapes. And uh, it was a bit of a challenge to eat. But that restaurant we went to, we had, we looked online and it had some of the best ratings. Um, And I'm going to, I'm here to tell you, it was was packed. And as soon as someone stood up from their table, someone else sat down. And basically that is all they, they served. I mean, they had a little bit of a menu, which I couldn't translate. So I don't know what was there, but we sat down. She said two, I said two, she brought us the food. That was what we ate. It was yep. delicious. And you can doctor it up with a little bit of red pepper and a little bit of fresh veg that's on the table. Uh, that's really, I guess, just complimentary, but didn't really need much. It was pretty tasty already. I enjoyed it. Anyway, there's so much good food in the lot. You really are not going to go far from a good restaurant. No. So what is there to do? Tons of stuff. Tons. I loved the temples in Delat. The temples were gorgeous. Um, we went to at least four, I think. Yeah, and each one, one was a little bit different. So yeah, that was very they were cool. all different. One was a monastery at the end of the cable car, which is well worth doing. The cable car takes you over some pine forests and a lake, and it's really pretty. Um, and then at the monastery, the monks are known for, guess what? Their flower gardens, and their flower gardens were beautiful, superb. Plus, they have a beautiful stupa. Uh, gold-plated stupa. It, it's just really a beautiful monastery. Highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, and even though it's it's pretty well visited, there's a lot of there people lot going of people in there. and out of there. It was still it was a pretty nice, quiet grounds where you could you could find a quiet place to sit and just you know, enjoy the weather or enjoy the gardens. 
Yeah. So I really like that. So that was one we went to. Then we went to the one by the chicken restaurant Jim was just describing to you. And that was just a small one that had little pagodas. And I would say it was a little peaceful stop. Well worth going to. And especially if you combine it with a trip to the restaurant anyway, because we just walked around. It was probably, what, a four-minute walk from yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. And it was just really nice. Just really, really I think my favorite was, and not necessarily because of the temple, but just because of the whole outing, uh, we took the train from the lot train station to Trimont. Uh, which that's the only train you can take out of Delot, so you don't have it to really worry about is, getting it's, lost. It's an activity. It's not a train. Yeah, exactly right. It's an old. Uh, it's an old train. Old train cars. They don't have the steam engine running anymore, but the cars are old, renovated cars. But you can see the steam engine. It it's right you, there. Yeah, and it takes about twenty minutes out to Tremont. Twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes. No, not long. And then from there, you can walk to the pagoda and the temple in that area, um, which are beautiful, encrusted with glass and ceramic pieces into mosaics. Uh, just a really beautiful temple. I really love that one. And the train ride is wonderful. And the train station in Dalat, uh, I could, would just Parkins go there. back to the days of the Orient Express right. idea. I could just go there and sit in the, the Cafe de Guerre and have a coffee. De Guerre. I never say it right. Well, Daguerre means of the war. Right. <laughs> it could be, but it's not. Uh, have some of the, their local coffee that they roast right at the station. Uh, it's just a great place to go. And the whole the whole part of that day was, I would say, two hours. It was about Taking two hours, the train, yeah. walking through the temple, getting the train back, just enjoying the station. It was a good two hours. I really loved nice. it. I loved it. We met wonderful people. We... Enjoyed the pagoda at the end of the train line and the walk through the town. Just everything about it. It was just perfect. Yeah. It was probably my favorite activity that we did. Is yeah. It, yeah, it was I think definitely it was my, my favorite. My second favorite activity in Dalat uh, is the crazy house. Yeah. And I Jim enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too, but I think Jim really enjoyed I it. I didn't really expect much out of it. And I maybe didn't that's expect why much I liked either. It. Yeah. Um, but the crazy house was designed and and built by an architect who uh, still lives there who still lives there and it is a crazy house there are crazy flying buttresses stairs going up and over roofs and there's grottos and oh it's just an it's an incredible you could just place just get lost in there and the rooms they had some of the rooms open cuz you can still stay there in fact when we go back we are going to stay, stay there. there because it was just so cool um and there's plenty of things to do around that area too mm-hmm. um as far as food, which is important to us. But it was just really neat how the rooms had, you know, just built into these little nooks and crannies and different sizes. And I don't, I loved everything about it, actually. I thought it was a very cool place. Like I said, we plan on actually staying there next time we go. Now, if it is raining or if you had small children, like very small children, mm, it, it might be a pass. Because uh, it could be, I think I would have a hard time bringing like even our grandson there. Well, if you're with and them, climbing I think up it's the fine. stairs, and I'd just be scared the whole time for him. Because mm. no, I didn't think it was that scary. Like, well, you didn't go up on some of the stairs that I went well, that's up on. True. Some of them are very narrow. Like we're talking like a little path that's on a bridge going up to a roof, and maybe about a foot high, a little bit more than a foot high, is where the rail is. But basically, you're just walking through the air mm. on this little thin path. Anyway, the crazy house is a must do. And I think it's probably rated one of the number one yeah, attractions in the town anyway. Um, the other thing that you can do there, the, of course, the emperors used to and the kings used to make it their summer palace area. So there's a number of summer palaces that you can um, tour if you want to. We only went to one. We went to the one that people said was the most interesting. And I think again, it was because of the gardens. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did find it interesting. It took us probably, I don't think we spent more than maybe 40 minutes there and you can walk through on your own. Um, And they had English signs in all the important places. And they told you one or two sentences, which quite frankly is enough to get the gist of what's going on. 
and it was interesting. It was fun. And it was a, you know, a little bit of history, Vietnamese history. So that was, that was good. Um, what else did we do? Well, those are the real highlights. The other thing that I really enjoyed, uh, was the clay tunnel. Yeah. That, which is further out of the city. Well, that I knew was going to be super quirky. Yes. It's and basically it a place where they've taken the clay, the natural clay, and they've made sculptures and they've made a circuit. It's a park and you walk through and if you're a kid or, or actually it doesn't matter what age you are, you can climb on them. You can sit on them. You, it, it's a great place for Instagramming. Selfies and, and photos. It's really a great place for kids. For me, I was like, oh, yeah, that's cute. That's pretty neat. I don't know that I would recommend it for people who are not into Instagram or didn't have children. If you have children, I would think it's really, really cool because they can run amok and they deserve that after, you know, being good at all the other things that they can't run amok in. And they even had a little place where they can try archery and they had cafes with lots of kids food and stuff like that. And of course, if you're an Instagrammer, there was plenty of Instagram um, spots, spots. But if you are more of a cultural traveler, I don't know yeah, that that's yeah. really a place for you. But I, but we enjoyed it. And saying that, we, we had a good time and we walked through the whole park. The end of it, and this was my favorite part just because it was so off the wall. Quirky. They had a COVID section, COVID-19, and you walk through this gate and it had, at, beside the gate, it had a a clock telling you all the different phases of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then, <laughs> and then you walk through the park and it basically is a, uh, a PSA for saying, yeah. you know, make sure you get vaccinated, wash your hands, um, wear a mask, all the stuff that you need to do during to not get COVID-19. With super cute. But really cute COVID-19 little germs. Viruses. And yeah, it was just I thought it was pretty good. And like I said, it's for kids. So it's another way to um, push that message that, you know, you got to be careful nowadays. So anyway, we enjoyed the park. It is a ways out of town, quite a ways out of town. That's the one where we got a ride to it. And then we hired the driver for the rest of the, not the rest of the day, but the rest of the day. A way that you could do that would be to uh, take the cable car up to the monastery and then hire a grab or a, a taxi from the monastery to the clay tunnels and then back around. Cause it's out, it's all out in that area as well as the, um, Daton La. No, it's, is it in the same place? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, the Daton La waterfall, waterfall and Canyoning Alpine slide and the Alpine slide, yeah. which is another great, which we did. Go. That was fun. Yeah, it's a fun Alpine slide makes me want to go to more alpine slides around the world well we've been to a few we have yeah they're always fun so there's lots of things and that's i guess that's the other thing that was nice about delat there was truly a lot for kids to do too Mm -hmm. and so there's a nice mix of you know getting that cultural experience as and getting some great food as well as just being just fun things, just being a kid and having fun. Um, we went to the night market one night for dinner and that was fun to walk around the night market. And we also walked around the lake that's right in town, um, which is full of lights that change colors. Yeah, yeah. And it's just really fun. It's a pretty city at night too. It is. It is it's well decorated. So if you're doing a itinerary for Dalat, I mean, for Vietnam, make sure to include Dalat. Yeah, you'll enjoy it just as much as we did. It was a blast. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Streets and Eats. If you liked what you heard, please show us some love. Hit the like button and leave us a review. Maybe even subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts. Also, we'd love it if you joined us on our Facebook private group, Streets and Eats, where we just have an ongoing conversation about all things travel. Ciao for now.